there is no growth in comfort and no comfort in growth. Business today typically values and promotes leaders for their subject expertise. Leaders who have command of the details and execute based on knowledge and experience are highly respected. However, to grow as a leader, you have to get out of your comfort zone. That means learning to lead without just being the expert. Learn to gain the trust and respect of a team that might know more than you do. Get comfortable with ambiguity and with not having all the information. Develop the skills and confidence to lead in a different way. Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone. I'm Wanda Ellis. And today, we're going to talk about listening. Now, I know all of you, all of us, know that listening is important. And we say those words all the time. And yet, if we're really honest, looking in the mirror, we know that most of us don't do it very well. So between multitasking, meeting team needs, trying to meet your manager's expectations, preparing for what you're going to say, let alone doing what your day job demands you to do, most of us feel we really don't have the time or luxury to listen properly. However, I want you to stop and think about what you lose by not listening properly. And if you're trying to improve engagement on your team or trying to improve your influence levels or trying to improve your emotional intelligence or even trying to improve your client and sales skills, we're going to argue today that listening becomes mandatory and that if you're not doing it particularly well, then you're suboptimizing your performance. So how do you know if you're listening well enough? Well, that's what we want to talk about today and what can you do to listen better. So with me today is Angie O'Donnell. Angie's a certified executive coach and co-founder of 3D Leadership Group, which is based in Boston. Angie coaches individuals and teams, including C-suite executives, physicians, leaders, scientists, engineers, entrepreneurs, and family-owned businesses. She was recognized in 2013 by her peers as a New England Executive Coach of the Year. And Angie's been recently invited to join the faculty at Kripalu, the largest yoga retreat and teaching center in the United States, where she's going to be a facilitator for their new offering, Conscious Leadership, and it's part of the RISE program. This is in collaboration with Harvard Medical School. So, Angie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Wanda. Really nice to be here. Delighted to have you here. And I love this. Everybody says how important listening is. But we don't really actually stop to think about it very much. So in your words, why is listening so important? Very simply, when people listen to us, we feel valued and respected. Okay. And there's, you know, 50 years of great research about listening. So there's lots out there to understand about why it's important and, and the research behind it. But, you know, when you're a leader looking to engage people, and we know what's going on with engagement scores in organizations these days, uh, they're pitifully low, right? Um, One of the things that comes, you know, comes back often on these engagement scores is, you know, I can't get any of my leader's time, right? I can't get any of my boss's time. Um, You know, everything's a sound bite. And so... Employees are not feeling valued or respected or, or listened to. And, you know, it's interesting to think about for a leader, what are the, the benefits for them, right? And I think there are three. First, they get a lot of information from people who have different expertise than them. And second, they get a lot of insight into the person who's talking, right? What matters to that person? What makes them tick? 
And third, interestingly, they they get an enhanced reputation by being a good listener because the perception of them shifts. They get perceived as someone who's more approachable. And we know approachability is a critical leadership trait. So kind of a win-win to listen. Okay. I love that. You get information, especially when you're not the expert, so that's a good thing. You get insight on what really matters, what motivates the person, and what you need to do to keep them more motivated and inspired, and then you get a better reputation. Okay, let me give you an example. This week, in fact, I'm coaching someone who ha- whose reputation is getting a bit tarnished in the company. For good reason or bad reason, I'm not going to judge. It's just getting a bit tarnished. And one of the reputation factors is that he doesn't listen very well, doesn't collaborate very well. I think it's much more of a doesn't listen very well. So there was a, you know, recent exercise in a program where the individual had to repeat the next day what someone had said the evening before and did an absolutely stunningly brilliant job of repeating back what that individual had said. So here's my question for you. We have someone who is capable of listening and actually really does listen for the most part. He would argue it's his job to listen. But people don't feel listened to. Why that disconnect? Mm, Good example. I think there's a lot of those examples around, too. Um, So it's a kind of selective listening. You know, I think Stephen Covey did some profound research around this, you know, kind of these levels of listening that when, um, when we feel something's very important to us or it's a very high stakes scenario, it's like we can turn a switch on, like the turn on the listening switch. And when, we, when it feels like it's lower stakes to us or we can do it at another time or we'll get another chance, we may take a pass or opt out of listening so, you know, that, that's my sense of what I see with a lot of leaders in a similar case as yours. Um, he may have decided this is an important high-stakes situation. I'm switching my listening button on. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're saying it's much more situational. I because... Think it, yeah. I think it is situational, but I also think that there's a bit of a, potentially a little bit of a belief structure underneath it. Mm-hmm. So, there are people who believe that everyone is worth listening to, that mm-hmm. everyone has something to offer. And I'm talking about the business environment, you know, mm-hmm. in, in that space, that everyone on their team is a subject matter expert, they're brilliant, and they've got great teams. And, you know, so there are people who say, every, you know, everyone has something to offer. And then there's a belief structure that says, no, no, and not everybody does. And I don't, I'm not sure I want to invest my time in listening to them. So I think there could be something underneath there, difficult to, to fish that out, but okay. it, I think it's there. Okay. All right. From what I know of this scenario, I'd say that that's a kind of an appropriate assessment, that there isn't a general belief that everyone is worth listening into, and so there's probably is more selective listening. We turn the switch on and off. What about this concept of um, how you leave people feeling that they have been heard? So, for example, I find that when you take the time to synthesize what you've heard from somebody, not play it back word for word verbatim, but synthesize it, people feel better. Do you find the same thing? Yes, um, I do. And I also agree with sort of the not the... 
some of the active listening training that went on where, you know, you, you say to people, play it back to them exactly as they said it. Um, people are on to that, right? It's, it's technique-y. Um, but interestingly, you're someone who's a professional listener. Right, so you yeah. have you have learned a tremendous. You should probably be giving this this talk instead of me. Um, you've learned a ton about about how to do that that synthesizing, and I think that's a skillful uh, competence. I, I'm not sure that everybody listens to synthesize. I think most people are listening in order to construct their own response. Yeah. Yeah. So we get part of it. We get the part of it we want to hear. Plus, we all have selective bias in the rate and our listening, what we're paying attention to and so forth. So we talked a little bit about this one. I want to turn to why you think we're so bad at it. So you've said already we're bad at listening because we have a switch button. We have a belief structure that some people are worth listening to and some people aren't. Um, you've said that we're not so great at listening because we're listening to decide what we want to say, not necessarily listening to synthesize. Are there other reasons we're so bad at listening? Lots. <laughs> and, okay. you know, for different people, there, is, there are different reasons. But, but here's a few things. Some of the reason may be simply biological. It takes more energy to listen than talk. So it's uh-huh. easier to talk than listen for our, for our, uh, our physiology. And when, when done well, listening is taxing. Right? It can really take a toll on the brain to really listen well. So I think we, our bodies understand that. And then I love this research that Microsoft did several years ago that said that we have a shorter attention span than a goldfish. <laughs> I mean, okay. think about it. So they said that a goldfish has about a nine-second attention span, and ours is about eight. Great. You know, and so I think there's, there's the reality of that, that our multitasking world that we live in. Um, short, it's, it's barely a sentence, eight seconds, right? And a few other things I think are important. Um, we have a brain, a complexity-loving brain, so it can listen to about 100 and, it can listen to you speak at about 125, 135 words a minute, and mm-hmm. the brain still has lots of space available for thinking about what your to-do list is, where you're going for dinner, you know, and other things. And so it's, there's, it's easy to be distracted as well mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. We're, we don't talk as fast as the brain can process. You know, so those are some of the more biological, physiological reasons. Mm-hmm. But another reason, I think this is just part of um, related to ego, is when we're talking, we're in control. And most of us like that feeling. And most of okay. us like to tell others what we know, and it feels very validating to do that. <clears throat> I get that one. It's much better. I know so much, especially as an expert. I know this. Let me tell you about it. Um, yeah. I had a great example again this week with someone who is in a client-facing role, and the individual said to me, I want to know how I have more influence with clients so they listen, to, so they hear what I have to say. Meaning, mm-hmm. so I can tell them stuff and they pay attention. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Yeah. All right, so there's biological reasons. Let me repeat that we're so bad at listening. One is, I love this, that it takes more energy to listen than to talk. I think that's fabulous. And our attention span is shorter than that of a goldfish by a second. And we have lots of extra brain space left over to do other things that we get distracted. 
That yeah. also implies sometimes when people are slow at getting their point across, they're not very concise, and it, it's easier to get distracted um, along the way. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And you All know, right. I, I found this thing, when I was um, this article in Harvard Business Review, believe this, this is from 1957. So the title of this article was called Listening to People. Don't you love that straightforward title? And the authors made a case that in our early education, uh, most of the focus is on reading. And there's Mm -hmm. much less focus on actually teaching kids how to listen. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so they make that case. And and I think what's happening in school systems now, at least in this country, most of the public schools are, are teaching social and emotional learning in kindergarten. But that's fairly new. Right. So, yeah. so for baby boomers, uh, let's you know call it that category. Um, they've probably really never experienced even a classroom setting where they talk about w- what good listening really looks like. Right. Okay. So no more piling on on baby boomers, though. Everybody is busy piling on on baby boomers. I'm teasing you, Angie. Okay. So there's biological reasons we don't listen well. We like to be in control. We weren't trained to do it. Are there other reasons? I think a big one is emotional triggers. Okay. So when someone hits your hot button, and some people know what their hot buttons are and others don't, but when someone hits your hot button at work, um, the, that good old thing called the fight, flight, freeze response kicks in for us. And, you know, we drop IQ points when that kick, kicks in. You know, there's a movement towards one of those things, fight, flight, or freeze. And usually we stop listening. Okay. So you see this in team meetings where someone makes a provocative, you know, statement and people on the team start to disagree and frustration comes out and anger comes out. There is very little listening taking place, right? It's, it's mostly about t- how, how much can I talk over the other person uh, and how much can I get heard or people completely shut down. Right. And this happens in, in meetings every single day, right? Yeah. In every single company. Yeah. So this is an important thing. This is about self-awareness though. You know, knowing that if, when your emotional trigger happens, your listening button goes off. Okay. That's an important one. And it may not be the entire team that's turned off. I have turned off their listening button. It may just be a person because that person across the table is the person who presses your hot button. And there they go again. Everybody else may be fine, just not you. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I want to turn to a slightly different um, topic and say, you know, how do, is there a way to know? I mean, do we have a, like a self-monitor deck that tells us whether we're actually listening well or not? In the moment, obviously. That's a great question. Um, so increased self-awareness for anybody, right? Um, we're in the EQ realm here. Um, really helps us to understand whether we have anyone's attention or not, right? Whether people are listening. And, you know, I think there's good observers, and not everybody is a good observer of body language and behavior, but good observers can quickly tell that uh, they've been tuned out or someone has moved on to something else or they've you know, had the famous glazed-over expression. Mm-hmm. Um, so observing your audience tells you a ton about whether they're tuned in or not to you. Okay. And one of the things I do when I'm coaching leaders who are trying to build a listening muscle 
because I think it is a muscle to build, is to do more checking in with people. You know, to not, um, you know, go, go five minutes into something and, or ten minutes or however long they may, they may go without saying to the group, have you got enough? Should I stop there? Do you need more details? Right? And do the kind of checking in because most of the time when they check in, people will nod and go, we got it. Okay. I know um, one of the um, executives that has been on this show, Tom Wilson in particular, says in coaching his team, you know, you give them three, you're working with senior executives, you give them the three bullet points. Mm-hmm. Let them ask what they want more about. Don't just go running off and all the detail. Let them ask for the detail they want, which is the similar kind of advice. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. All right. So I improving agree. self-awareness. Is there anything else we can do that's going to help us tell if we're doing um, better listening or we're doing a good job listening? Uh, find a trusted person who's in a lot of meetings with you. and. Okay ask them to tell you afterwards what they thought the ratio... I'm assuming you might be the leader of a meeting, okay? Yeah. What, what you're, maybe you're doing your weekly team meeting or something and ask them to, to uh, analyze a little bit about what percentage of time did you talk. Okay. Great. That's a great metric. <laughs> Do you have and, a recommended percentage? Uh, so when I'm with leaders and working with leaders and teams and I'm listening in on their team meetings, I will do this. And afterwards I'll say, well, in the last 50 minutes, I've calculated that you talked about 35 minutes of that. And they are complete. You can imagine how they feel. They're appalled at this. They go, no, that can't be true. You know, and, and I go, well, yeah, I think it's true. Um, so they don't like it to hear it. So I think there's, there's an amazingly large blind spot for people around how much airtime they are taking up um, in a team meeting or, you know, in in, in any kind of meeting. And once they're aware of it, they start to shift their behavior. Okay. I can see it now. We have a new metric for team effectiveness, which is not, you know, you rate you, uh, the usual metrics on team effectiveness. Instead, it's people's approximation of the amount of airtime you take up in team meetings. (laughs) <laughs> probably would do a pretty good job. Okay, uh, before we take a break, I want to turn to one last thing here, which is uh, something you say that I find very compelling. You say that you can assess the leadership capability by how well people listen. Tell me what you mean by that. How does that work? Well, you're probably used to this expression, you know, leaders who suck all the air out of the room when they walk in. Mm-hmm. So, or, you know, very narcissistic types who take credit for every idea and need to be seen as the one and with all the ideas. So those are more obvious um, scenarios. But the, um, this tendency to over-talk and under-listen and to advocate more than act as a facilitator. So when I'm watching leaders in action, I want to see how much they can facilitate all the brilliance that's sitting in the room. Okay. And how much they can um, bring it out. And I also want to look at the sort of ratio to advocacy and inquiry that they do. Uh, How much do they inquire of others so that they really understand what people are saying? So I'm looking for that. And then we know that listening skills are so highly correlated with emotional intelligence. So that's a little bit, you know, like comparing wisdom-based leadership to, you know, IQ-based 
leadership. And I think what companies are looking for this, these days is more wisdom-based leadership. Okay. And so this, they're good, usually good listening leaders are also good personal learners. Okay. Wow, that's a lot of reasonings here. So there's a, lot of, there's a lot of ways listening plays out because it's such a meta skill that underlies so many other skills that leaders need to learn. Okay, fabulous. All right, so let me see if I can repeat this, Angie. You have said that for leaders, one of the things that you like to assess is their advocacy to inquiry ratio, how much time they spend advocating versus how much time they spend inquiring so that they're actually really trying to understand what people are saying, which is the listening side of it, and it's the way that people feel that they have been heard as well. And you look at advocating versus facilitating, meaning pushing your point of view versus trying to draw out the brilliance and insight and wisdom that's in the room. And you've already talked about this talk to listen time ratio. And those three being so highly correlated with EQ that it's, um, you can see really quickly why improving your listening capability is going to improve your leadership all the way around. I think you got it. All right. Fabulous. Well, then, in that case, we're going to take a break. When we come back from the break, I want to dig specifically into how does listening affect your influence, your ability to influence, and um, how it can help improve your emotional intelligence. We've already said it's correlated, but I want to understand how you can improve that one. With me today is Angie O'Donnell. Angie is with a co-founder of 3D Leadership Group in Boston. She's a coach for individuals and teams from C-suite executives to physicians and scientists, engineers, all the way down to entrepreneurs and family-owned businesses. And we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. How is your work-life balance? In most businesses, no matter where you are positioned, there is always room for improvement. If you're an executive, learn insight about your business. Are you an employee? Learn how to better work with your team. Even if you're not in business, you can learn where your strengths and weaknesses can be played to their best potential. The Work-Life Balance with host Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you want more information on the articles, books, coaching, and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. You're sure to find some helpful links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, Inc., helping organizations get it and keep it. What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace, Every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Out of the Comfort Zone. 
To reach Dr. Wanda Wallace or her guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to wanda.wallace at leadershipforuminc.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone. Welcome back. With me today is Angie O'Donnell. Angie is a certified executive coach and co-founder of 3D Leadership Group. She works with individuals and teams from executives, C-suite executives, all the way through to entrepreneurs. Pick anyone. She's been working with that type of person. She's also been invited to join the faculty at Kripalu, which is the largest yoga retreat and teaching center in the United States. She's going to be facilitating their new offering in conscious leadership in collaboration with Harvard Medical School. Deeply researched program and very interesting insights. Now, we've been talking about listening. And it's a very interesting argument. It's so easy to say, yeah, yeah, I need to listen well. But it's another thing to say, how do I do that more effectively? And the argument has been we're terrible at it, number one, because biologically it takes more energy to listen than it does to talk. I love that statement. And we have no attention. We have the attention span that's shorter than a goldfish's. I'm going to quote that one forever. We like to be in control. So I like to tell people, and especially if I'm an expert, it makes me comfortable to tell people the knowledge I know because they need to know it. It's important to them, and it makes me feel good as well. And emotional triggers, of course, when somebody hits my hot button, I'm not listening anymore. Now, we were just talking about the way in which you can assess leadership capability and improve leadership capability by improving your ratio of time in advocacy versus inquiry in advocating versus facilitating, and in talking versus listening. So if you're looking for a very quick set of feedback from peers or your team members, ask them to give you, uh, or someone on the team, to give you percentage of time that you spend talking in meetings versus listening in meetings. And I think you're going to find this an interesting insight. So from that broad perspective, Angie, I want to now dig in a little bit on this whole notion of emotional intelligence and why listening can be a way to improve emotional intelligence. And we all know emotional intelligence is critical. Everybody's talking about it. But how do I take whatever level of emotional intelligence I have and get better at it is sort of the $64,000 question. So how is listening such a critical skill for improving emotional intelligence? Yeah, well, you are right. It is, it's hot in the workplace um, and has been for some time. And I'm going to look or lean into the um, Corn Ferry research a little bit because I think that they have a tremendous amount of research on leadership competencies. And their finding is that listening is the most highly correlated skill with emotional intelligence. And one of the reasons is it underlies three critical EQ competencies, and they are self-awareness, empathy, and relationship building. So okay. intuitively, you can get a sense of right, right why each of those um, is important for EQ and, and ultimately even important um, for the topics we're going to talk about for influence. Okay. And yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, well, I can see why self-awareness, because if I'm listening better, I'm going to hear or observe the messages from other people about how they're reacting to me. I'm presuming that's the connection. Mm-hmm. And with empathy, if I'm listening well and people are feeling that they're listened to, they're going to feel more cared for, 
I'm assuming that's the empathy component. Mm -hmm. And that's what helps me build relationships. Is that how you put this all together? Yes, and that listening is a receptive skill. And so people are are, um, experiencing you overall as someone who is receptive when, when you're listening well. And they're more interested in building a relationship with you. They feel like you get them. Right, when you're more receptive yep. versus kind of um, pushing your your ideas on them, and um, the self awareness I think is is interesting, and, and I think there's a lot more complexity in that one. In that there's an aspect of internal listening, like listening to yourself, right? That's okay. beyond. So that's built. You know, that's that's an aspect of this that we haven't touched a lot on, but you know. Some people are just not very good at listening to themselves and therefore are, are not good at listening to others as a result. Yeah. Yeah, I find that a lot in people who are overly self-critical. I mean, we all have to have a component mm-hmm. of self-criticalness, but when you're overly self-critical and you're hypercritical of yourself, you're not doing some of the positive self-learning that has a massive impact on confidence and a whole host of other things. So, mm-hmm. okay. In agreement. All right. So this is Corn Fairy's research and that listening is the most highly correlated skill with EQ because it taps self-awareness, empathy, and relationship building. And I love this notion that you said it's a receptive skill. So that people experience you as someone who's receptive, transfer, I'm assuming, open and approachable, and that you're interest, they're interested in building a relationship with you, and they get a sense that you get them, that you care about them. So, okay, that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. All right, mm-hmm. so, Angie, if you're giving people, so we've already talked about the ratios of advocacy and inquiry and um, talking versus listening. If you're giving people tactics to improve their listening. How do you tell people to get better at listening? Well, one of the the great things about 360-degree feedback is it will tell them uh, when they get it back. Uh, So having done hundreds of these over the years, when people get their 360 feedback report and they find out that 25 people don't think they're a good listener, uh, it, it has a huge impact on them. And that's what I mean about I think there's a large blind spot there for many people. So that's often where you know, we start with coaching is off that 360 feedback. And there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of small things I recommend. Um, it, here's one. Um, speak last in a meeting. Okay. Often the you know the people are, who are poor listeners are, are charging into the meeting and taking up a lot of airspace at the beginning. I'll say, what well, what would it be like to sit back and speak later? Very simple. Okay. Okay? Okay. Just ask them to do that. Um, the other exercise I give people is I say, who's the most difficult person at work for you to listen to? And they can usually rattle off a couple of people. And then I said, find a reason to talk to them and listen to them for five minutes. Wow, just five minutes. Just five minutes. And I'll say, if they stop talking, ask them a question about something they just said, but stay with them for five minutes and then have a couple of minutes and reflect on what just happened, what insights did you have about you during that five minutes and what did you learn about them? And so it just puts them in the hardest spot and asks them to stay put in that spot for a little bit, right? Okay. 
And then I, I asked them to, to I asked them to work with um, the kind of what I call Monday morning throwaway question: How was your weekend? Right. And I'll ask them to say, um, ask someone, a colleague, how was their weekend, and then actually plan to follow up with a couple of questions and take a little bit of a deeper dive into what they say. Oh, what did you do? What did you like about it? How did you hear about that? Just a few questions that keep you in a listening mode, in a curious space, not the usual, um, what I call the volleyball type of thing. How was, your, how was your weekend? Good. How was your weekend? Good. What did you do this? What did I do? I did this, that kind of back and forth yeah. thing, but really stay with them for a couple of minutes. Okay. And then I this is that. a really hard one, but it's so worth the effort. Okay. Get on a conference call, turn it on speaker, Turn your cell phone on to record and record the conversation. Uh And then play it back to yourself with a critical ear. So listen for interrupting, talking over people, changing the topic frequently, not asking. Sometimes you'll learn, I didn't ask one question during that whole interaction. And also watching for the pronoun I and how frequently you're using it. Oh so boy, those are I can't. Four little that things that you exercise. can do, and and get, get this is the deal. They're all free. You don't have to go to a course. And you can do them in the practice field of your everyday work life. Okay, I love this. Let me just repeat these in sort of a synthesis. Number one is be the last person to speak in the meeting. Now, presumably, that's not for somebody who's already having trouble speaking up in the meeting. That's for people who are taking up too much airtime. Mm-hmm. The second is find, I love this one, find the most difficult person in the group or around you that you have to listen to them and talk to them and listen for five minutes, just five minutes. If they stop, ask a question, follow on, and then your reflection is what happened. What did you learn about yourself? What did you learn about the other person? Number three, Monday morning, throw away question. Love it. How was your weekend? Follow up with two or three questions that keep you in listening mode. And you gave some great examples in that one. So how did you find out about that? What did you really enjoy about it? Um, Have you done this before? And so on. Those are fabulous. And then the last one is a conference call or any number of other ones. I imagine you could do it in a meeting where you record the meeting and then play it back and look at things like your talk to listen ratio did you ask any questions the pronoun i excellent tips all right so let's go now talk about how does influence how how is listening is it related let's start with that one to influence is it related okay um yes (laughs) yes Um, okay and how so (laughs) so if you think about when you're listening well, one of the things, the outcomes of that is having a better understanding of the situation or the other person, right? And once you have a better understanding of what someone's situation is or why they're trying to convince you of something or, or change your mind, right, you may be also more influenceable. Okay. And... So, but to get to be to being perceived as that by others, that gosh, I could influence you, my leader, you know, a person who has more positional power than I do. Um, the listening is you're you're going to be listening as your first um, skill versus okay. walking in and saying, 
I want to figure out how to influence this person. All right. So we see that in um, uh, client interactions. So I gave the example earlier about somebody in a client meeting who wants to get the client to listen to them. And the response that came back from that particular individual from a senior executive really had to do with stop talking. And the executive went on to say that, you know, yes, you encounter clients who want to tell you how to do your business and you wonder why you're there in the first place. But you learn something in that. You learn what the client already knows. You learn what the client wants to talk about. The client feels good about it. And your ability then to influence them where you'd like them to go is better. Maybe not in that immediate conversation, but over the long term. But you took this in a slightly different direction that says, if I'm listening, I am more influenceable as a leader, and mm-hmm. that gets people to talk to me more often, to open up to me, to trust me more, those sorts of things? Yes, it will lead to that. And there's some, um, uh, Professor jo- Joel Brockner at Columbia did some great research because a lot of us believe, I think, that, and this was what his research was about, that influence is all about very, you know, great verbal expression. That if, if you speak often and speak well, that people will be influenced. And what, what, what that study revealed was that people are actually very influenced when they feel listened to by you, right? And they're willing to be influenced by you in future interactions. And they're also willing to carry your messages to other people if you've taken the time to get to know them, to listen to them first. So it's an interesting kind of twist on that. And so I think that, you know, really good, I think really good salespeople already know this, you know, people who are very client-facing, that understanding what the client wants first before you begin to, quote, sell. And and I think that the research has, has um, played out in the same way. All right. So this is an important, I think you're right about this, that we tend to believe that the way I increase my influence in the organization or with clients is to increase my verbal expression. So increase my confidence. I increase my um, presentation. I increase my argument. I increase my cleverness in effect. Mm-hmm. But this research is arguing that that's not the case, that people are more influenceable when they feel they have been listened to. And furthermore, they're willing to more willing to carry your messages to other people. Wow, is that powerful. Yeah, and I'll just quote a little line from the research that I, I thought it said, you know, what this study found was what most of us know instinctively. When someone in a position of power listens to us, our commitment to that person increases. Ooh, there we are right with the engagement. So when somebody in a position of power listens to us, our commitment goes up. Yes. And then, you know, bringing in the whole big, you know, uh, meta research of the Gallup organization around engagement, right, is about how that employees aren't willing to give discretionary effort, right, low engagement, not willing to do Mm -hmm. anything more than I absolutely have to do. Right. And Mm -hmm. organizations are wanting more productivity and more discretionary effort, but their commitment to their leader is low. 
Okay. And, and so in thinking about this and, and coming, you know, linking these things together, the influence piece, uh, the listening to the influence and, and to the engagement, um, it, it feels like such a natural um, way to sync it all up together. Okay. So now it, this would all have me convinced that the only way I'm going to get the stuff done in the organization that I want to get done from an influence point of view or from an engagement and commitment point of view is to spend a little more time listening. I mean, yeah. if I if people if I'm in a position of power and people have more commitment to me and they're more willing to carry my message to other people and they're more influential when they feel I have listened to you to to them Forget it. I'm spending that five minutes to listen to them. That would make an enormous difference. Yeah, and, and I think one of the things that I'm also um, taking away from what you're saying here is that most leaders, it's amazing when I say, well, what do you think's going on with listening? Why, why are you getting such, such a bad reputation as a listener? They're like, I don't have time. Yeah. And I say, hmm, how much time do you really think it takes? Mm-hmm. And they feel like they need to have a 45 or 50 minute meeting with somebody in order. And I said, mm, no, I don't think so. Uh, I think about two to three minutes of not, and think about this as well, not um, efficient listening, effective listening. Okay. Effective listening. All right. Now, how do you describe effective listening? So this is, you know, really being present, like taking all those other distractions, like the brain wants to do something else. And, and I'm thinking about, you know, what, what my next meeting is and focus, right? So it's turning up the intention. And one of the questions I ask for people to keep in their mind is, it's a mindset shift. You might call it being more skillful, but I think there's a mindset shift here. And I'll say, ask yourself for two and a half, three minutes, what can I learn from or about this person? I love that. What can I learn from or about this person? Okay. Um, I love this notion. We're going to take a break here too in just a minute. But um, I love this notion that it's just two to three minutes. If I'm really focused for those two to three minutes. And the gain on the other side is I've got somebody who's more on board with me, more committed, feeling more engaged, more influenceable, willing to carry my message. Two to three minutes, that sounds like a no-brainer for me. Um, but the whole notion that I turn from I have to do my listening exercise now to know what can I learn in this two to three minutes about the person, about the situation, about whatever. I think it would transform how we function and lead. All right. Unfortunately, we're going to have to take a break. Um, with me today is Angie O'Donnell. Angie's a certified executive coach. Her company is 3D Leadership Group. She works with individuals and with teams, and as she can tell, quite a powerful coach in helping people understand how to improve their leadership functioning, capability, engagement, influence, and so on. When we come back, I want to turn to that all-important topic, trust, and talk about what Angie believes drives trust in relationships. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. If you want more information on the articles, books, coaching, and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. You're sure to find some helpful links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. 
Leadership Forum, Inc., helping organizations get it and keep it. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business, and the knowledge economy with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Klass. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel and simulcast at the same time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Out of the Comfort Zone. To reach Dr. Wanda Wallace or her guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to wanda.wallace at leadershipforuminc.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone. Welcome back to the show. With me today is Andy O'Donnell. Angie's a certified executive coach. Her company is 3D Leadership Group, and we have been talking about listening. And I think even as a coach, I knew that how important listening was and how important it made people feel. I think I had failed to appreciate how critical it was for some other factors. I guess maybe I knew it, but this last piece of research that we were talking about, the notion that when people feel that they have been listened to, they're more influenceable, they're more willing to carry your messages to other people, and they're more committed. And it only takes two to three minutes of effective listening, meaning listening without being distracted by other things. It's a mindset shift. This intentionality of what am I going to learn in this moment, in this conversation about the person or the situation. All right, so Angie, we've talked about influence and engagement and emotional intelligence and leadership in general, I want to turn for a minute and talk about trust. And I want to hear your view on this relationship between listening and trust and how we can more effectively drive trust in our relationships. So interestingly, I mean, listening is, um, in, in terms of the leadership competencies, a fairly easy competency to learn. Right, when they you know, look at levels of difficulty of you know, what in the leadership realm is easy to moderate to more difficult, listening is easy. Right? And okay. some of that is related to the fact that it's something of a choice to listen. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, it's, um, it's about turning that switch on that we talked about. And it's, you know, if you looked at what's the opposite, it's about not talking. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And... Um, so now when we move towards trust, my take on trust is that it's such a very complex um, set of both um, traits and competencies and um, kind of commitments. So mm-hmm. I have a very, very overly, probably simplistic take on this. Um, I think trust builds when you have a series of mutually satisfactory interactions with someone. Okay. So mutually satisfactory, where both people go away and say, 
I'm good with that. I'm good with that person. Uh, and it's so difficult to nail down for people when you ask them, did that feel like a good conversation to you? Did, that, mm-hmm. did your needs get met? Even sometimes for people to say why they feel satisfied mm-hmm. with an interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. I think that a few things behind it are um, related to did they feel heard? Yeah. And did they feel respected? And satisfaction increases in every interaction when we can say yes to both of those things. Okay. I like that. So did they feel heard and did they feel respected? I know in my practice and talking with people, they're always asking me about a relationship that they just can't make work. And I will often ask, uh, how much do you respect that individual? And the answer is terrible. And then I say, well, how are you going to get them to trust you if you don't respect them? They're, you know, it's a reciprocal arrangement here. So I agree with you that if people feel that they have been heard or that you're willing to hear them out, even if you disagree with them, and they feel that you respect them, then their satisfaction with conversations with you are going to go up. And if people are pretty satisfied with the conversation, then trust will improve. It may not go to the ultimate penultimate level, but it's certainly going to move it in the right direction. Yeah, and the point you're making with your example is really interesting because I think people can sniff out your intention really quickly. I think yeah. they can get a very good sense of whether you're um, just faking it, <laughs> you know, in terms of being interested, or whether you are really um, interested in, in, have, in, in having this be satisfactory for them. And... The idea of looking for mutual wins builds trust. Mm-hmm. Mutual wins. All right. Okay, so Charlie Green, who's been a guest on the show not too long ago, um, says that trust is the combination of credibility, so my expertise, mm-hmm. plus my reliability, did I do what I would say that I was going to do, plus intimacy, Mm-hmm. how much I'm willing to reveal of me to someone else, how much of a risk I'm willing to take with someone else, all divided by self-interest. So the higher the self-interest, the lower the mutual gain. So that fits your part of trust goes when there are mutual wins. Now, what do you think about this notion of credibility and reliability and intimacy, and can listening affect those? Yeah, I think the... Um Credibility is often what shows up a little bit on your resume. You know, are you mm-hmm. competent to do, to do the job? Um, and people will often make trust just along credibility, that they're the best at this, so I'm going to invite them in. Um, I think reliability is, is underexplored or underrated in the trust equation because there's, there's so much about consistency that people will make a judgment about whether they want to do business with you again. And mm-hmm. even, even returning people's emails, does someone consistently respond to me? Mm-hmm. Right? That, people make judgments about that, that I can't rely on them to even return my email. I'm not sure, right? So I think that uh, I think people um, don't put enough emphasis on am I reliable and am I consistent? I think they're looking for people to give them a pass a little bit more. Yeah. 
It's interesting, especially when a lot of people now with so many emails, I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds a day, it's astounding. It's gone back up again. You have to do something to screen your emails, and so therefore you can easily miss emails, easily, easily, easily. And it is one of the things that people use to judge whether or not I matter to you that you bother to read and respond to my email. And I'm finding subordinates are saying, did you read it, boss? Mm-hmm. Not just the first line, but you know, I gave you information there. Did you read it? And whether or not that's the right format or not, I don't care. But that sense of reliability and responsiveness, I think, is an important factor. Okay? And that's hand-in-hand with listening. Okay? Mm-hmm. All right. Now, what do you think about this intimacy thing? Yeah, you know, I think um, the word I often use is similar, but it's vulnerability. Um, You know, how much are you willing to share and be reciprocal in a conversation or a relationship? You know, it's one of those things, you know, when you go and you see a big speaker and they get up and and start to talk and, you know, they talk for 45 minutes, they're brilliant, and the thing that you take away is the one goofy story they told about themselves. (laughs) And... um, I know that happens for me, and I've, I've, I think it happens for a lot of people because cause we like that personal, that personal touch, that personal story, and it's what makes someone memorable and makes someone human. Right. I think people. Rem- I think we're hardwired to remember stories. Personally, I don't think we remember facts. I think we remember stories. Yeah. So when it's a personal detail about me or something I've done goofy or somebody else who's goofed up, I think that's what we relate to. And I think that's what carries our messages at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And imagine if you go going back into the second segment we were talking about, imagine you knew about somebody's great weekend that they had because you had spent a couple of minutes and then you went into the team meeting later in the day, and said, um, you know, I heard this great story from Wanda this morning about her, um, her weekend where she was, um, you know, hang gliding. And, you know, I mean, just the fact that you might have that story to bring to the table about a team member, right? Think about what, how that impacts the whole group as they hear and listen to you, the leader, bring a story forward that you heard from somebody else in the group. Right. That's right. And the individual feels valued, and everybody knows the individual is valued, and so on we go. We're back to the cycle again. So, Angie, fortunately or unfortunately, we're at the end of time. So, thank you for being a guest today. Um, my guest is Angie O'Donnell, and her company is 3D Leadership Group, based in Boston. She's a coach and works with teams and individuals in all walks of life, C-suite all the way down to entrepreneurs. Angie, I think the one thing that really strikes me out of this conversation is a challenge I'd give to everybody looking to improve their emotional intelligence, engagement, influence skills. And that is tape record the next meeting or phone conversation in which you're in and assess your talk to listen ratio assess the number of times you use the pronoun I and assess your advocacy versus inquiry ratio. Um, If you don't want to tape record it yourself, ask somebody else to do it for you. I think you're going to get some huge insight and it's such a simple tactic that makes a difference in how you can have impact in the organization. So thank you. Thank you, Wanda. Thank you for listening. (laughs) It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Join us next week. My guest is Leonard Powell, and we're going to talk about how to be more inspirational 
We'll see you then. Thank you for joining us for Out of the Comfort Zone. Tune in again for another edition with Dr. Wanda Wallace next Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Reach outside your comfort zone this week.